That's the Away Days podcast. I'm Nate Moore. Joining me as always, Mr. Laith Land, live from the grandparents' house. How are we, Lay? Doing pretty good, especially now that Auburn's got that number one basketball ranking by the name. Okay, listen, at no point in any of our production meetings or the decisions <laughs> made about this podcast, we included soccer and football, but basketball is not, no. It's not. That's why I, I knew it could vetoed. I figured it'd be better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Listen, I can always just cut the pod right now. We can have the shortest podcast of all time, <laughs> 10, 10 seconds. Um, also, in as usual, at least until football season is over, is Mr. Ferguson live from Georgia Tech. No. Uh, Georgia Tech from no. Atlanta. You live in Atlanta still, though. Yes, yes. Um, with all these baddies that come in to stay. We might talk about that later <laughs> in, the, in the away days after dark. Hey. But Ferg, do you think – so for background information here, Ferg actually lives with a girl um, that's not – he's not romantically involved with, he says. But can, does she like – does she know you do the pod? Can she like hear you raging about this stuff? Or like how's that been working so far? Yeah, like last week was the first time that we were both here when we, and we did it. And uh, if you were paying attention to last week, you might have heard some dings. And that was because I was being spammed by her talking about buying some furniture or some shit at Target, stuff that I have no business caring about. And so she knows I do it and I – and I told her beforehand today that uh, not to be texting me because I got some business to take care of with the boys. So mm-hmm. shouldn't be an issue this week. Business trip. Um, so, okay, so big weekend in the NFL. Uh, so did you get to watch a bunch of it? Like, how are the TV rules going on this weekend? Is she oh. like, Bill's Chiefs, second half, she's like, oh, time for The Bachelor. Yeah. Like, how, how has that been working I so am far? the man of the house. I control the TV. <laughs> That's my TV. I bought it. And when it's the playoffs, we are watching the games. We had uh, Madeline and Meredith over, and Abby, of course, and we were just watching the Packers game, and they were like, probably weren't that interested. I was like, oh, but well, we're watching the <laughs> Packers game. And they were good sports about it, so I'm not going to complain. All right. Well, good deal. Like, you, unlike me, then got to watch. So did, did everybody here get to watch all the games? Because I uh, yeah. was on girlfriend duty for a little bit this weekend, mostly just Sunday afternoon. Um, but I was able to catch – all the Niners game, um, a decent amount of the Bengals, Titans, then most of Rams, Bucks, but it was really Bills, Chiefs, which probably was the best of the bunch that I actually uh, had to go back and watch. I watched like the super long highlight videos on YouTube that like twenty minutes. Mm. Um, so I feel I feel kind of caught up. But wow, that was a wild game. But I want to start, I guess, chronologically. Go Bengals, Titans on Saturday. Um, you know, is like honestly the games in the first day super low scoring under games both of them then the games on Sunday super high scoring especially that uh that Bills Chiefs but on the podcast last week I said this I think you guys were kind of in agreement that you know you wouldn't normally think about being the lowest seed going into the divisional round and facing the number one seed that's coming off a bye you don't really think of that as being an advantageous position but I think we all kind of thought you know what, if I had to trade places with anybody in here, I might take the Bengals spot because the Titans kind of scare me the least of all these teams. We knew they were getting Derrick Henry back, but uh, I think they kind of are who we thought they were all season, um, to, to quote whoever said that, that old coach that they always <laughs> play. But Titans end up just kind of being gross and ugly, like Lay uh, alluded to last week. Um, they weren't really able to move the ball that effectively scored just 16 points. Yeah, Derrick Henry comes back, but... Um, 20 carries for 62 yards and a touchdown. I mean, that's only 3.1 yards per carry. So, uh, Joe, first of all, 
before we before we get deep into the analytics of this game or what we thought, what are we calling Joe Burrow now? Because I'm seeing Joe Burr out there, like the BRR, like it's cold. I'm seeing Joe Joe, uh, Joe Shiesty. Yeah. yeah. Are, you, are you a Joe Shiesty guy? I think you're. I think that's I like what you're it. leaning towards. I like, I like the Joe Shiesty. It's it's pretty cold. <laughs> I, I'm a Joe Burr guy. I like that one. <laughs> I think. I mean, he can be whatever because he's just as long as he's playing well, it doesn't matter. I, I personally lean towards Joe Burr, but mostly because I don't get the shysty. Like, where does that come from? Is that like a rapper yeah. or something? Yeah, <laughs> it's poo shysty. Uh, really, Educate just know the, the boomer in the pod here. <laughs> well, see, I I really don't know why how he got that nickname other than he always just looks fresh at every press conference. That's the only thing I can get as to how far that goes in terms of a comparison. But I don't know. It just has a nice ring to it. Joe shysty, just yeah. cold. Well, is is this Pooh guy, Mr. Pooh, if you will, is he like known for wearing like ski masks or something? Call, okay, calling him Mr. Pooh instantly limits the cool factor. <laughs> um, no, but, I don't. I don't know. Not to my okay, knowledge. Okay, because but. the only I only ask that because when we were in Indianapolis for the national championship game, like a bunch of my more you know. Uh, rowdy friends let's say bought these like ski masks and were calling each other like shysty i didn't know if that was like a, a thing that he does like literally wearing like like you know the robber masks but that aside joe burr joe shysty joe burrow whatever you want to call him had himself a game 28 for 37 348 yards no touchdowns and an interception but uh did what they needed to do to grind out a win and like I kind of felt like that game never really felt like the Bengals weren't going to win. Um, they were up for most of the game and then just kind of held on to the ball in the second half. But I'll, I'll ask this to you, Ferg. Having seen them probably play you know, as good a two games as you could possibly expect um, and take down the number one seed, where do they rank among your favorites to get to the Super Bowl um, among the four teams left? Well... I'd probably have them behind the Chiefs. I, I do uh, suck off my homes. I like the Chiefs to win this game, and they are opening as seven-point favorites. But, I mean, the Bengals did just beat the Kansas City Chiefs a few weeks ago. Um, if Lay's old, uh, can't, it's hard to beat a good team twice, tells us anything, then they can't repeat that performance this week. But I don't know. I mean, I think they have a chance. I think they'll cover. I don't think the Chiefs will win by seven or more. But I still like the Chiefs to beat them in the AFC title game. Yeah, I mean, this one, this is going to be a better game than I think people would have expected, especially early in the year. And I'm hoping that it could potentially be another game like that Chiefs-Bills, uh, just where there's a lot of offense. You know, Bengals are another team that can just be explosive when they want to be. So if we are in, if we have anything close to what we saw uh, last night, then we could really be in for a treat. Yeah, that was, that was an awesome game. Um, and we'll get to that here in just a second. But I want to move on to the, the nightcap on that Saturday. I, wa- I was able to watch all of this uh, – I was not. It's kind of lonely boy hours in uh, in Augusta where I live on Saturday because my roommate was working late. Basically, all my friends around were out of town or whatever, so I ended up just driving over to the parents' house to watch the game uh, with old pops. So uh, of course, his old ass didn't even make it. He felt he went to bed before the fourth quarter. Um, so he acts like he saw it the next day. He's always good up the next morning, and be like, "Oh, you saw the the end of that, huh?" Where I know dang well he just like watched the highlights the next day. He didn't <laughs> actually watch it, but. Um, but yeah, I'm the only one on the podcast who call the Niners going down. Although I will, I won't take too too much credit because uh, I only really picked them because we were all about to take the Packers. I was like, okay, that's just the kiss of death. There's no way it's going to happen if we all pick them. So, um, Lay, give us off the dome. What, what were your thoughts on that game? And uh, what, what did your pack do wrong there? Uh, 
Is it, it kind of feels like, I mean, I guess the, are the Packers, the G logo similar to Georgia? Are they becoming the new Georgia and they can't win the big one? Like <laughs> they've got their team that they just can't get past. The 49ers are 4-0 and against them since Aaron Rodgers has been there, I think. Or at least in like in play, like there's been a lot of big playoff losses to the 49ers anyway. Uh, so so what's up up in uh, up in Green Bay there, Lay? You know, it, it's kind of weird. They talked about this before the game, special teams being the difference. And it was, there were two big plays that really swung the – uh, the 49ers way but a lot of this I, I talked to this a little bit on the messages during the game Aaron Rodgers threw of all his passes he targeted Aaron Jones and targeted uh, Devontae Adams the entire time other than one pass I mean when you got two guys that you're throwing to the entire time I know there was a limited amount of weapons with Tanya being out and another couple receivers but just going in and seeing that no matter how good he is this you can key in on those two guys so I think that was probably a big uh implication for why the score ended up being so low as it was it's not like the San Fran did too much offensively but I think once again once you got two guys that you know are getting the ball it's pretty easy to make those second half adjustments and get that fixed yeah Lay, I'd like to echo what you said I mean he was pretty much only getting the ball to Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams but one thing I'd also like to touch on is the loss of A.J. Dillon now don't sleep on A.J. Dillon he's been a big part of that um Packers run game this year and especially in a snow game you know they were going to utilize him and when he got hurt their offense kind of like got super conservative and they weren't moving the ball as well as they'd like to and it ended up being a big difference not having him in the game to pound the ball in the snow yeah I I agree he had I think he had like 800 yards rushing this year so they really almost went with a two-back backfield for the most of the year yeah it's you know, we, kind of similar to the Ohio State-Michigan game we talked about earlier in the year, how, like, the conditions, the moment, everything just kind of set up for Michigan to go – to, like, to win that game, to kind of get over the, the hump and beat Ohio State, who they hadn't beaten in a while. Like, the snow definitely playing in a factor and benefiting one of the teams a lot more than the other. But <clears> – and I'll say, wow, that was, like, an awful – I, like, choked for a second there. <laughs> well, uh, like, the 49ers, I mean, we mentioned this on the pod – on the preview pod going into that game, that like if there was any team left in these playoffs who is built for a, an ugly, low-scoring, snowy, tough conditions game, we would have thought it was the 49ers just in the type of offense that they run. But I thought through one quarter, you know, with the, with the Packers starting the way they did, driving the length of the field, just methodically scoring a touchdown, and then the Niners, I think, went three and out on their first two or three uh, uh, drives. I think, I think it was quite a few drives into the game before they were into – I think – They'd run like six plays before they had a play of positive yardage, I think, in that first quarter. And so after the first few minutes, I turned and said to my dad, I was like, one of these teams is, is prepared to play in the cold and the other one isn't. And I was talking about the Packers being looking like they were comfortable there, but then just unable to do anything after that drive. Uh, and I don't, I don't really know what to chalk it up to because, like, the Packers – I mean, I guess the Niners' defense did show up. You don't hold them to ten points without it. But it just kind of looked like a game where – I don't. I don't really don't even know how to explain what you know. Just a, just a weird, ugly, gross game, and a play like a blocked punt is sometimes all you need to win a game like that. And the Niners were able to come up with it. But um, Lath, you said last time that you know if you were an NFL team, the Niners, despite the fact they're one of the lower seeds in the playoffs, would be way down the list on teams you wanted to play in that last round. And obviously, that was rewarded by you know them getting a win. But I think all of a sudden now, though. I mean, you don't get to the to the conference championship round without all of these teams being Super Bowl contenders, all of them being really good. But I think if I had to pick one of these teams that I just really can't imagine lifting the Lombardi Trophy here in a month, it's it's them. Am I am I wrong in thinking they're the weak link out of these four? 
Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say you're wrong. I'd say they're they're definitely probably the least explosive or can be the least explosive of these teams. But when you got when you got a guy like Kyle Shanahan at the helm, I just put so much trust in that. And you see his record. I know they're playing um, they're playing against the Rams next. You see his record against McVay, and it's it's like five or two something like that. Really positive. So. I, I get what you're saying about why they may not be the, considered the favorite, but I don't think you can count them out just yet. Yeah, and they're the hot team right now. They're the hottest team in the NFL, coming off three big wins uh, in a row. Especially when I saw them beat the Rams in week week 18, I'm like, dang, like this Niners team might be for real. Then going to Jerry World and beating the heavily favored Cowboys, and then going on the road to Lambeau and winning a snow game. I mean, this team is hot. I mean, you wouldn't think that they'd have the best chance to win when you look at the other teams left, but... Hey, I mean, don't count them out just yet. Well, like I said, I'm not counting in way to just exactly copy what Late said. It's not like Desmond <laughs> Howard on College Game Day. He's like, it's going to be closer than the expert thing. And he just says that same thing every freaking time. Um, but, I mean, I'm not counting them out. Obviously, they're in the conference championship game. But the point I'm getting at is, like, you know, ultimately it's Jimmy Garoppolo and it's <laughs> your best player on the field, although he is really good. Like, I'm not discounting this in, in any way. Actually, this is probably – a compliment to him but your best player is a dude you're having to just line up at running back and wherever you can put him on the field just to get the ball to him because he it's him and and Kittle and that's it like you know Elijah Mitchell or Eli Mitchell excuse me has had a has had a good year like definitely a big draft get for them in the sixth round but you know he you're not going to turn to him to win you a game in 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 the playoffs deep in the playoffs like yeah I'm, I'm literally looking at at Guys who had carries. I mean, Debo Simmons had 10 carries. Uh, basically, once you get past looking at the receptions here, George Kittle had four, Debo Simmons had three, Eli Mitchell had three. After that, only one other player had a catch, and it was Jawan Jennings. It was one for six yards. You know, like, I don't know. Granted, it's a snow game. Like, it's going to be – the passing is going to be limited anyway. Like, I'm not yeah. trying to hold this stat, particular stat line against him. But just – I don't know. When, when you get down to the fact that – Every single one of these teams are really good. You just got to have one defining character. Like each team, each one of these teams, you go around the four has one thing that they do better than the rest of the league. You know, the Rams, they've got the best players in the league. Whether they can put it all together, who knows. But in terms of man-on-man matchup scenario, they win more individual matchups probably than any other than any other team. Look at the Bengals. They've probably got the hottest quarterback in terms of like just pure form to use the soccer term. Like I know Patrick Mahomes is, is definitely better than him and everything, but the Bengals have that same kind of hot streak going too. And they've probably got, you know, maybe just only outside the Rams, the next best wide receiving core. I mean, they got a ton of guys that can get the ball too. Then you turn to look at the chiefs enough said, you don't even have to say what they do better than everybody else. Cause you saw it last night, you know, and then I don't know, just something, something about this Niners team. Like, yes, I'm with you that, that Shanahan is a great coach, but uh, and I think it's very fortunate for them that they are playing the Rams and not the Bucks, probably because I just think they would not match up as well with the Bucks. But who knows? I just just something about the Niners. I don't. I'm not. I'm not feeling it. From I think. I think probably the best argument for your position would be that uh, Garoppolo is definitely the worst quarterback of the four here. I know Burrow's the rookie, but I still I think I'd prefer him in my team over Garoppolo, oh, yeah. especially a Garoppolo that's kind of been beat up. You know, he's struggling with that thumb injury. Uh, the other night in the game. So I, I could definitely see it from that perspective. Yeah. And you got to think about, too, one of these teams, I mean, all of them were in battles, you know, close games. It was an awesome weekend of college football. Every game was good. But one team had to literally 
give um, they give their metaphorical lives out there in that snow, and that's what the Niners had to do. Like, if there's going to be any team that's more beat up after one of those games, it's definitely going to be them. And you know, the Rams, yeah, they had to fight for it at the end, but for the most part of that game, they're kind of cruising, honestly. So. I don't think that game probably, and that will give them a lot of confidence too to go into the on the road and, and survive a twenty eight to three comeback. Uh, Fergie, did that give you any PTSD as a uh, as a Falcons guy? I guess you're the most Falcons guy of us. I don't think you're a huge <laughs> Falcons fan, but like just just a little bit, yeah. I mean, what the what was the Rams' biggest lead? Twenty seven to three. Oh, oh yeah, basically the same score. Uh, it it was a little scary because. Um, I mean, I won't. Bring, I, I picked the Bucks, but I kind of was kind of hyped to see the Rams get a win. But whenever I saw Brady start leading that comeback, and then all of those turnovers that the that the Bucks were, were getting from the Rams, it just seemed like, oh my gosh, here we go again. Brady's doing it again. But it was good to see the Rams could come out and get a win. Yeah, that's what really irritates me in this game is that people who see what the score was and then look at the final score, the narrative is, oh, Brady almost engineered another one. <laughs> Whereas, in fact, it was the Rams shooting themselves in the foot. I didn't, I wasn't even watching this game until I got, I got home and it was 27 to 3 at the time. So I saw the comeback. And when I say comeback, I really just mean it was the Rams almost demise. I mean, there was a missed field goal that also it, it didn't have the distance, which you don't see that too often. Usually it's they missed right or left. He just didn't get it there. There were three fumbles, Cooper Cup fumbling, uh, and then Akers fumbling in a terrible spot with two minutes left. There was nothing about that game that impressed me much mm-hmm. with what Brady did. It was just the Rams almost doing it to themselves. And you got to remember, too, because like, I'm with you, I kind of took my eyes off of it uh, at about halftime. But the Rams fumble the ball on like the two-yard line where a mm-hmm. touchdown, you got to think, basically ends the game because uh, they would have been up – I mean, they were up 20-3 to as it was – um, they'd have been up 27 to three going into the half, and obviously they scored the first touchdown of the neck. They got the ball back in the second half, so potentially go 35 to three, and they just there's just not even Tom Brady can come back from that. But um, I'm not even a Falcons guy, but I was kind of glad to see the Bucks go down, even though I picked them. And I've been saying it for most of the year: Rams and Bucks are both the teams that I'm rocking with. So now I'm Rams all in. Uh, they're my Super Bowl pick. Uh, love it for Matthew Stafford. You know, such a legend. Glad for him to finally. You know, win more playoff games in in one you know week stretch than he did in a decade in Detroit. So uh, that's always nice. But that reminds me too not to not to rewind the conversation too much. But saw a pretty funny tweet that was like a picture of Joe Burrow. It said this man has won more playoff games in a week than uh, Dak Prescott yeah. has in six years of the Cowboys. Yeah, I saw that too. It was pretty funny. It was hilarious. Uh, so yeah, love a love a dig at the Cowboys too, and then. Lastly, a digs. I, I guess a digs the, the uh, a digs at the Cowboys. Um, well, the Bills would have liked the digs at the Chiefs, but he kind of had a quiet game. I feel like, in, at least watching the highlights, uh, Gabriel Davis was the one really tearing <laughs> it up for the Bills. Um, but yeah, the, the best the best game from what is probably the best weekend in recent memory in NFL. And I put it out there on the pod last week, even though I said that I actually think this was going to be an under game, which it was close to being, by the way, if not for the final two minutes. I think there was only like 47 points scored going into the two-minute warning or whatever. But uh, this game, I said that this game had the potential to be just like Chiefs-Rams a few years ago in that awesome game down in Mexico City uh, where it was just last team with the ball wins, and that was 100% what we got here. So, Laith, I'll give you the floor first as the uh, as the loser. It's just like in the Army-Navy game, losing team sings first. Uh, you're, the, you're the Bills guy. What, what went wrong for the Bills and how – Give me, give me your thoughts on the game and then how 
upset are you with the current NFL overtime rules? Because that's kind of a take I'm seeing a lot out there. But first, the game. Uh, I'm pretty upset. I mean, we saw the problems that plagued the Bills the entire season. You know, when, when Josh Allen is your leading rusher at the end of the day, you're doing something wrong, and that's obviously a facet of the offense that you need to fix. So it's hard to – I mean, but I'm not too upset because when you look at this game, both of these teams, I think, deserve to win. I, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, the, the Bills are cheated because the, the Chiefs played really, really well. But back on, like, the overtime rules – I, it, you know, it, it just doesn't sit right with me. A guy I just feels so bad for Josh Allen, a guy who played basically a perfect, a perfect playoff series. What was it? He scored like nine touchdowns over the course of two games uh, and came out of here with like 300 plus passing yards, four touchdowns. You couldn't have played any better from an offensive standpoint, minus the running the ball. And just the fact that he doesn't even get an opportunity to go out there and, and then have his chance to kind of rebut what the Chiefs did, that really just, I feel like something has to be done. I know Ferg is not, does not feel as strongly about the rules as I do. I'm interested to hear what his perspective is. Yeah, <clears throat> look, yeah, hats, first of all, I want to give a shout-out to Josh Allen. That man balled out last night, um, leading what we, we all thought was going to be the, go, uh, the game when he touched down with 13 seconds left. Um, hats off to him. He played great, but I'm sorry, but Pat Mahomes is just a little bit better. Um, also, timeout. First of all, before— Are you sorry, though? No. no. Before <laughs> I get into talking about the overtime, let's talk about—what's um, the coach's name? McDermott? Yeah. Whenever yeah. there's 13 seconds left, you don't kick the ball deep. You squib it and make them burn five or six seconds off with a little kick return. Um, and then at that point, if you do that, then the Chiefs pretty much have no chance to get set up for a game-winning field goal. I mean, a, a game-tying field goal. All right, anyways, they didn't do that, So and the Bills got in the field goal range with 13 seconds left with just two two passes, one to Tyreek Hill and one to Travis Kelsey. And then shout-out to GT legend Harrison Bucker for the game-tying field goal. Now <laughs> – on to overtime. Look, Lath, I saw a couple tweets that I wanted to share with you about this. One from Colin Cowherd. This is a quote from Colin Cowherd's Twitter. And I'm, this is really directed to people just like you. Stop whining about <laughs> OT rules. Make a stop. One, Bills had plenty of chances to wrap that puppy up and didn't. See you next season. Here's another, another tweet from Lewis Riddick. Play better defense. Don't cry about the rules. Which is pretty much exactly what I was telling you last night. Look, if you okay, want to get but- the- Hey, hey, hey! Sorry, sorry. <laughs> if you want to get the ball back, then don't give up a touchdown. It's not like like 10 years ago or whenever Whenever all you had to do was kick a field goal and win. That, that's, that's fucked. But if you, <laughs> if you give up a touchdown, that's on you. The Chiefs had to drive listen, 75 yards. It's easy to say that when the Chiefs don't even have to be in the position to play defense, you know? Yeah, you could say don't give out the touchdown if you know you're going to have another opportunity to, to, to run the ball or to, to be on offense. The Chiefs would be saying the same thing. If they had given up, the t- if they had lost the toss, I mean, that's the thing that gets me the most, is that there's so much power in the coin toss that it virtually decides the game. That's what makes me think there needs to be a change. Look, I, I don't know about that, Leif. Look, if, if the Bills had won the toss and scored – Hey, the Chiefs should have played better defense too. It's not like I'm playing only one side of the argument. Like I understand where you're coming from, but at the end of the day, you lost the toss. You gotta play defense, keep them out of the end zone, and you'll have a chance to win the game. It's really that simple. Um, it's that simple. What do you think, Nathan? <laughs> what are your thoughts on this as the as neutral? The, uh, as the neutral here, uh, on the one hand, I see the point of like ultimately the goal because like when the college football playoff was instituted, right? The general idea was to imp- to 
improve the system to have have a better way of finding who the best college football team is in the country. That's the purpose of the playoffs. That's the purpose for the NFL playoffs to to figure out on the field who is the best team in the NFL. And part of your team is your defense. So on the one hand, I get that. Like if you you know, if you're an NFL team and your back's against the wall and you have to just not let a team drive the length of the field on you and get up, give up a touchdown or you go home, on one hand, I can kind of see that. But I see your point too, Lath, of like in a game like this where it was obvious the offense is the strength of both both of these teams. It had been all year uh, for both of these, these sides. Like taking what's the best part of one team away but also giving it to the other one something kind of seems iffy with that. I, I can see the, the point being made there. Because I agree. If it, if the coin toss goes the other way, I feel pretty strongly that, yeah, the Bills march right down the field, score a touchdown, game over. And we're having the same conversation. Remember, this happened, what, three years ago in like Patrick Mahomes' first playoff yeah. appearance when they went yeah. to Foxborough and didn't get the chance. Like, he didn't get the chance to touch the ball and the Pats went on to win the Super Bowl that year. So, like... It's, this definitely isn't the first time it's happened, although I feel like there's a lot more outrage about it in this particular game than there was in that one. Um, but just the fact that, like, as good as Mahomes is, like, the guy having the best game on that field that night didn't get a chance to touch the ball in overtime. I can kind of see where the gripe comes from there. But what an insane game, though. Either way, again, I really wish I could have watched it live. I was actually busy at the uh, local movie theater watching um, Redeeming Love. Oh. Uh, so, uh, you know yeah. you know how my uh, how my night went there. But um, pretty overrated movie, by the way. My girlfriend's not going to listen to this podcast, so it's okay. That's I, I just like, that's such a time, chick so. flick name, Redeeming Love. Like, yeah, you don't yeah. even, I don't even have to ask about the plot. You can just figure that out based on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, good because I don't feel like reliving it again. <laughs> but uh, so I had to I had to go through the through the highlights to watch it today. But but even sitting in my chair at work, you know, got one AirPod in, kind of keeping it down. Even though I know what happens, like I'm watching the clock go down, and I'm like, how are more points scored in this game? Like, there's surely this doesn't happen. Like, and sure enough, it does. Like, God, I mean, 14 seconds. What a, I mean, say. We can have this debate forever and ever, but I will say to the point of Bills, you got to get a stop. Like, dude, 14 seconds. Like, you tackle. And now, granted, the Chiefs did well to have all their timeouts left on that last drive because it definitely can't happen without those timeouts. But still, you basically just have to make one play on defense and you win. And the fact that they weren't able to do that, like I said, you can say both teams deserve to win, but the Bills' defense, if they look themselves in the face, you deserve to lose if you're going to do that with 14 seconds left. That's that's all I got to say. About I think I think the that. biggest surprise was that Andy Reid had all three timeouts with like two minutes left in the game, coming from a guy that normally blows him at the beginning of the third quarter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Leif, you can't gripe about the overtime whenever you give up that field goal with 50 yards and two plays with 13 seconds. You can't gripe about – you deserve to lose if that happens. So, yeah, I don't want to hear anything else out of you about the overtime. Oh, no, I still think the rule needs to be changed. I mean, it should have never been to overtime, gonna... though. It should have never gotten there. Yeah, and, well, and even worse, like I said earlier, like it, you should have squib kicked it. If you squib kick it, even if you give up a dog shit play over the middle for thirty yards, it doesn't matter because that's the last play. Because you squib. Well, it. I think the argument. I think the argument for that though is that you're making Patrick Mahomes go seventy-five yards versus on a squib kick he could go like sixty. Um, and they ju- you just watch them go like 50 yards to Tariq in one play. So give him something where he doesn't have to throw it up, where he's actually got to put together a drive. 
And even you said you didn't even think about the possibility of them kicking a, a tying oh. field goal. So, like, you got to wonder what the Andy Reid's mindset was at that point, too. So, I could see that, too, both sides of that. But I, I, I get what you're saying. The defense was not there. And utterly, mm-hmm. it, overall, it cost him. Yeah. All right. So, kicking it forward now. I mean, Mahomes in that game especially. Like, I don't think there's another quarterback in the league that engineers that 14-second thing just because it takes an arm and some mobility. I mean, he was mobile all night too. Like, you know, I think Rodgers is great. He's going to win the MVP. I think Josh Allen's great. He arguably should have won that game. I think Joe Burrow, all these guys are great. But I don't think there's anybody else in the league that's making that drive happen, making that game happen like Mahomes does. So now that we're down to Bengals, we're down to Chiefs, Rams and Niners. Ferg, pretty sure where you're leaning here. So Lath, are are the Chiefs your, your your clubhouse leader here, or do you think? I mean, we've got some pretty big spreads going into this, and we'll make picks here in a second. But like Vegas likes, I mean, in terms of who they think is going to win, Chiefs laying a big number, and then so are the Rams. Like, I guess just just give us who do you who do you like out of those four? I guess I mean it's got to be Chiefs or Rams, right? Yeah, I, I think if you look at it from that point, those are the two most explosive teams. Those are the teams that have the experience that have been here before. Well, I guess if you could say the 49ers have been here before, but they, I don't know, I, you, like you said, the quarterback issues there. So I think if I had to pick between those four at this point, I would go with Rams just because they're the only team that's shown consistent offense and consistent defense. For me, yeah, I'm leaning Chiefs. You gonna? I, I like to bet with the best quarterback in, that's left and – Pat Mahomes, now that Josh Allen's out and Aaron Rodgers are out, he's by far head and shoulders the best quarterback left in this in this playoff race. So I like the Chiefs to go on to win the Super Bowl now. Yeah, and when you think about three kind of key indicators, or at least I feel like they're key indicators of, of successful playoff teams, it's like one quarterback, you know, advantage Chiefs there. But I think, you know, the Rams got have, have plenty there with Stafford. Um Obviously, the weak link when you look at quarterbacks being the 49ers, but the Bengals up there, too, with a pretty solid one. But look at head coach after that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're Chiefs again. Andy Reid's been there, done it, won one, been doing it for a long time. Kyle Shanahan and McVay up there in terms of guys that have that have led teams, uh, led offenses, in the case of Shanahan, to Super Bowls before. Uh, but then you got the Bengals, who are going to be just the, the rooks there, even at the coaching level as well. But and then I guess it just kind of turns to, to just playoff experience, which that entire Chiefs team, like this has been their life, you know, for the past few years, basically since they drafted Mahomes. It's they've I feel like they've made it to the AFC Championship just about every year, uh, made it at least this far. Then you look at the Rams, basically everywhere outside of OBJ and Stafford has been there before. But that's I'm not underestimating the fact that that Stafford has never been this far in the playoffs. But it's been impressive that he's been able to get two wins so far. Um, and then the Niners. I, you know, off the top of my head, I'm not sure how many of these guys were there the last time they went to the Super Bowl against the Chiefs a couple seasons ago. But you know, Garoppolo has been there, um, and then the Bengals again—they're just gonna. This is by far the, most, the least experienced um, when it comes to these teams. So a lot of these these KPIs, key performance indicators, use a business term world for you there. Like, uh, point uh, they point to the Chiefs. So. You know, it's it's definitely hard hard to bet against them, and I I think I'm rooting for for a Rams Chiefs Super Bowl, yeah. but we'll see what happens. Mm. Yeah. Um, and uh, but before we make some picks, I want to talk a little bit of college football before we get out of here with our picks <laughs> against the spread. Um, thank you, Lath, for just coughing right into your microphone. Uh, <laughs> I, I turned even, away. I turned away, but 
But I think there's even a little mute button on the guy. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe there is, there isn't. But <laughs> anyway, so college football season, dogs are national champs. We all know that. feels good to say it again, though, just in case you forgot. Lath and Ferg, Georgia Tech and Auburn fans, respect. How could we forget when you bring it up so much? <laughs> oh, don't, don't you worry. I'll be, your, I'll be your reminder. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, but Georgia having to deal already in this offseason, I mean, we knew a lot of those guys on defense were going pro. A lot of the guys on offense are going pro. But already having to deal with some transfer, I wouldn't call them issues because nobody really that transfers, you know, literally the fact that they are transferring means they probably weren't having the role in the team that they would have liked. But in this instance, Jermaine Burton, you know, he had been a solid receiver for us over the past couple seasons. A guy that I think is super talented, had come up with some big plays, uh, and I certainly am upset that he's leaving. I'd much rather would have had him stay. I'm not really sure exactly why. Uh, he's leaving given the receiving core we're bringing back. I mean, George Pickens is gone. Granted, I know we're returning Brock Bowers and A.D. Mitchell and uh, Lad McConkey, which all three of those guys definitely got way more targets than him. But going to Alabama, though, I just don't see if you're looking for targets, like why that makes a ton of sense. So, Ferg, as somebody who's probably happy to see that change, uh, what would you make of Jermaine Burton uh, flipping to the team that he just beat in the uh, national championship game? Well, I, I, I mentioned this in the text thread yesterday, but I think it's all got to do with the quarterback. And I think the idea of playing with Bryce Young is a whole lot more enticing than playing with Stetson <laughs> Bennett. Look, I'm sorry. And, and and pretty much his main role was like the play action deep balls kind of deal. And uh, maybe he wants to you know expand his route tree and then play with a better quarterback. I think that's probably the main reason why he left, even though he's obviously having a lot of success with the team and even individual success while he was at Georgia anyways. Yeah, I, I agree on the reasons of why he would leave. You know, you, t- you mentioned the play-action offense. This is a solid run-first team, and they just don't put the ball in the air unless they have to. And granted, it's big shots, but if you're a receiver, you do want to work on that route tree and be able to show the scouts what you can do. What I don't really understand is, is why I mean I guess I understand it from a volume standpoint, but when Jermaine Burton leaves, enters the portal, the first thing you're thinking is okay, it makes sense. He's got some competition. He wants to go somewhere where he can be the guy. I don't know that he's going to be the guy in the Bama offense. I know he's a veteran player, and I know there's a lot of young receivers, especially with Mechie and Williams leaving. But you got to think that there are some really talented guys ready to emerge in that Bama offense. And if you're leaving the Bulldogs, who's already a good team and a title contender. Uh, you, you'd think the reason would be that you'd want to be that guy, and I don't know if he's going to be that guy at Bama. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I personally was thinking and hoping that he'd go to Ole Miss because you figure Georgia and Ole Miss not likely to play each other next season because uh, as good as I think Ole Miss perhaps can be next year, I don't think anybody's picking them to come out of the West, not with Alabama over there and A&M potentially too. But this sucks, though, because, like, Odds are Georgia's probably going to play Alabama next year. And, I, you know, I don't know. Like, I'm not – I made the joke, like, oh, he's a snake. Like, I'm not really bashing for this decision because ultimately, like, hey, dude, do whatever you think is best for you. But the one thing I will say about it is I saw a tweet that I thought at least summed up the Georgia fan perspective. Uh, like, I don't, I don't think people should be out here crushing him or calling him a snake or saying he would never, like, love Georgia, whatever. Of course, most players nowadays don't actually love their university, period. That's a whole other conversation to have. But this one tweet that said, you know what? If you really think that you're going to have more fun on the team that lost than on the team that won, then you you don't need to be here anyway. Which, 
that's just kind of that's just kind of how it how it lines up for me. Like I don't, I don't know. I just feel like if you went through a, a special season like that in a special place like like Georgia and, and 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 were able to have that success, I think that just probably says a little something about you. Maybe that that it was just that easy for you to 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 go do something else. But but who knows? Best of luck to him, and hopefully uh, hopefully we don't play him. But I got a feeling we will. Hey, if he's looking to be the star, I I could think of a spot for him. I don't know about the quarterbacks, but he'll have a role. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> well, hey, our last transfer from Georgia to Auburn worked out so well for you guys. So, oh yeah, gosh, you know, we'll take another one. Yeah. Uh, mm. um, but just a point though, because I, I looked up the stats while you're talking about, you know the difference between Bryce Young and Stetson Bennett. I'm not going to say that Bryce Young isn't miles ahead of him, but just looking up passing touchdowns, in ter- or not passing touchdowns, excuse me, receiving touchdowns in terms of, like, if Burton saw a way to be the number one guy, like, Brock Bowers had 13 last year. Jamison Williams only had 15. Like, the number one guy on Bama only had two more receiving touchdowns than the number one guy on Georgia. But it's quite clear that Burton's not going to be the number one guy. So maybe he'll, he'll have a chance to do that what with Mechie and – Jameson Williams going next year for Bama, but just thought I'd have that little discussion and uh, and see what you guys thought about Jermaine the Snake. But uh, the other big Georgia transfer who's still in the portal, much like Ferg, wandering aimlessly in the <laughs> black depths of the of the portal, looking for a home. JT Daniels, you can always just commit to JT Daniels, Ferg, and just go wherever he goes. Just blindly put put faith in that. Um, what if he went back to Georgia Tech? That would be hilarious. Oh, I don't <laughs> yeah, want to rejoin. Even I wouldn't want him. Come on now. Oh, get out uh, of here. Jeff Sims, Jeff Sims, Lamar 2.0. Come on now. Okay, okay. Well, <laughs> Walmart. So Lamar, JT maybe. is still in the portal, yet to have decided where he will be going. Um, where he'll be taking his talents. I still hate how every like athlete in their commit video says that now. Like LeBron says one thing ten years ago, and now all of them say it. But word on the street was, at least prior to this Jermaine Burton news, was that JT Daniels and Jermaine Burton kind of considered themselves a package deal. They were looking to stay together, uh, which kind of made sense because Jermaine Burton had much better statistic uh, performances with JT Daniels at quarterback. Honestly, just the passing offense in general at Georgia for the most part, did better with JT under center. But it was no secret that Lane Kiffin was in Athens the other day. He posted a not-so-cryptic tweet of the front of the Athens airport, which is no <laughs> context uh, on Twitter, which was funny. Obviously, I mean, had to be there visiting potential transfers. Um, I'm sure that he spoke with Jermaine and with JT Daniels. But now that the apparent breakup has happened, Jermaine and JT will not be... I mean, assuming JT Daniels doesn't want to go sit behind Bryce Young, which who knows, maybe he does. But... Where do we see him going? Is Ole, I think Ole Miss is still a pretty likely spot, although is it Jackson Dart? Is yeah, his first name? Jackson. Um, yeah. His landing spot's pretty up in the air. I know Ole Miss is up is is one of the main uh, rumored places where, where he'll land. But where do you guys think uh, JT Daniels will, will land? Because a lot of these – there's been a lot of other Georgia transfers to already happen too, just kind of some lesser-known guys, some guys on defense too. But all of them except for one have stayed in the SEC, which is kind of pissing me off. Uh, <laughs> the only guy who did leave uh, went to Michigan State. So I got a feeling JT Daniels won't be leaving the conference, but um, what, what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I don't like the Ole Miss destination for him just because when you look at that offense, veer and shoot, Lane Kiffin runs – it's an offense that you need a quarterback who's mobile and a quarterback who is tough. And from history, <laughs> we can learn that JT Daniels is neither of those. The dude's constantly injured, injured, and he's a statue in the pocket. I understand that good offensive coaches can adapt to the talent they have at hand, and he, there's, nobody's questioning his passing ability. 
But in this type of offense that Lane Kiffin runs, I mean, you saw Matt Corral. They they asked the running back to run it for those tough yards to get that inside carry. So I just I don't like that destination for him. I really before Slovis went to Pittsburgh, I felt like Pittsburgh would have been a really ideal place um, for JT Daniels just because of the, the the vertical NFL passing concepts. I feel like he would have fit in perfectly there. Now I I really don't know. I could see him going to Oklahoma maybe. Um, depending on what Brent Venables wants to do over there. But I, I don't really understand the Ole Miss links, other than that Lane is in Athens reported. Yeah, I think Ole Miss would be best off putting all their strings, pulling all their strings to try to get Jackson Dart. Uh, I don't think, mm. yeah, like you said, Lath, it's not a good fit for their offensive style with the way JT Daniels plays. I could see him maybe going to like a place like a switching things up to go to like the Big Ten, maybe uh, Michigan State or something, or maybe even yeah. Miami or something. I mean, I mean, Derek King's, I guess, gone. And Tyler Van Dyke was their quarterback this year, and he was kind of a bit of a pocket passer himself. And who knows, maybe Cristobal may want to try and get him down to South Beach. I don't know. I'm going to be interested to see where he lands. Yeah, we'll see. And then the uh, last thing we got written here is Caleb Williams. Pretty much a lock. He's going uh, to USC, we think. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with Dart leaving. I mean, there's not an incumbent starter at USC and Link. I mean, uh, Lincoln Riley's waiting for him, so it just makes too much yeah. sense at this point. Yeah. I'll just say I don't like what that'll mean for college football, man. Like, just the fact that a dude who, as a freshman, was starting at a team, which, granted, Oklahoma was not all that good last year, but especially by their standards, but until the last couple games of the season were contending for a title, the fact that a, a, a guy who was getting the minutes there would would just leave. I don't like yeah. where this is where this is going. No, I, I, yeah. I, I've been touching on it. I don't like the direction college football is going with with the free transfer and the NIL stuff. It's just going to widen the gap from the blue bloods from everybody else, and we're seeing it right here with Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley situation. Yeah. Well, as a as a supporter of a blue blood, I I get the 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 parody idea. That's not so much what bothers me. More so the fact that like recruiting at that point just doesn't really matter these kids are all just mercenaries now like if you can be like if playing time isn't luring your way like basically if caleb williams goes to usc he will have been lured there for non-football reasons because all of the football reasons tell you to stay at oklahoma more likely to contend for a title next season more likely to contend even for personal you know, Heisman aspirations next season. You're going to start. You started last year as a freshman. You've got several years ahead of you there if you want it. Only reason you go to USC is it's Hollywood. You can make more money. You know, there's nothing on the football field that USC can offer him that Oklahoma can't, whereas there's a lot of things I feel like that Oklahoma can offer him that USC can't. I mean, maybe Lincoln Riley sticking with the coach is, is somewhat of a pull there. But, like, if if guys, you know, if guys like Caleb Williams are leaving – then why even recruit quarterbacks at this point? I've already kind of resigned to the fact that at Georgia, we're never going to see most of these five-star quarterbacks who recruit touch the field. Uh, I mean, didn't really see Justin Fields do it. We're not going to see Carson Beck ever play, which I'm not tore up about that. But like, I guarantee one of Gunnar Stockton or Brock Vandegrift will not start games for Georgia consistently. You know, So at this point, like, I've never been somebody who really gets fired up at recruiting, but all these people who get super excited about signing day and commitments, if this starts happening, they need to just shut up because it, it won't matter. Like, where you commit to school just won't matter. Yeah. It, yeah. And, go ahead, Lee. Good. Oh, well, I, I mean, I, I, I agree with that. There's parts of it that I don't like. But, you know, it gives us content, 
And you know, you've mentioned people looking forward to those recruiting days. Well, now everybody's going to be having their eyes locked on the portal and seeing where that can help you. I mean, this has been one of the most, I mean, when, when you, when you put the portal aspect in, uh, you could still stay glued to college football even after the season. And I think that is a slight positive that you can get from it. But I agree. It, it, there's just a whole lot that I don't like about it as well. Yeah, I mean, we saw it with Jameer Gibbs. I mean, yeah, he, he commits to Georgia Tech and then doesn't work out. He's just gone like that. And I'm not blaming him. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But, like, <laughs> like we you, get, you, you win a big recruiting battle, and you get super hype about it just for him to go ahead and walk away right before he's about to hit his prime. It's just, it's just really sad to see, but, you know, and, you know, if I was in their position, I'd probably do something similar. Got to do what's best for me. And at the end of the day, I guess that's what Caleb Williams thinks he's doing, trying to leave Oklahoma. <laughs> Got to take care of your chicken, as the great late, not late. I just don't know why I just killed him so much. All right, rip. The great Mark Allen rip. Um, let's end this podcast on a high note. Make some picks in the NFL Conference Championship weekend. What are these Is one Saturday, one Sunday, or is it Sunday afternoon, Sunday night? How's this working? Um, I actually but don't no. know yet. I actually don't know either. Fergus, you're supposed to be I, – I expect Lath to be out of the loop, but you're supposed to know these things, Fergus. Um, but starting with – I don't even know if this is the first game or not, but we're going to start with Bengals-Chiefs because that's the first one I have written down. Chiefs minus seven at home. Arrowhead, It's we've seen it's a tough place to go and win. You know, when I was kind of thinking through my picks here, as you guys are talking, trying to get ready to make some, make you know, reach a decision here, I'm kind of worried. Are we going to get oh, actually a worse weekend of football than we did last weekend? And the fact that like I'm trying to mentally make arguments for the underdogs here, and if it weren't for the fact that maybe both of them were were on the road, you know, that plays into it. But like, I just have a hard time feeling, or excuse me, hard time seeing the Chiefs and the Rams not meeting in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I'm going to go Chiefs in this first game, but, like, maybe one of y'all have a more positive outlook here. Surely, like, I, I want to see a closer game, but it's just hard for me to imagine. I mean, it's not that I don't think these will be close, but, like, I don't know. I think I think it would it would be a big surprise if either the Bengals or the 49ers came through here. I mean, I see both of y'all have Chiefs-Rams. Yeah, I mean, I feel better about the other game in terms of potential matchups about – or better games, I guess. This one, it's, it's hard to ask – when you see the Bills come up with the offensive performance they did and still not win, it's hard to assume that the Bengals can do anything close to that. So I got Chiefs with this one, 33-24. Yeah, I've got Chiefs 35-31, so I don't have them covering, but I think their offense will be enough to win the game. I think Burrow's going to be able to score some points, especially with Matthew's um, status in question with his concussion last night. So I could see Burrow you know, scoring some points, but once again, just like the Bills game, this offense of the Chiefs is too explosive, and it's going to put them – in their third straight Super Bowl this year. Yeah, I'm going to take Chiefs no cover as well. And then Niners at Rams. I mean, I'm going to stick with my Rams. They're my Super Bowl favorite. Uh, you know, definitely want to root for Stafford here. Three and a half is probably right, pretty spot on. I would say if not for the history between these two teams, like if you purely just based it off what we saw in the conference or what we've seen really in the playoffs up to this point, you know, I think that really heavily favors the Rams. But, again, the 49ers did do it to them. Uh, during the season, and Shanahan definitely has McVay's number um, over in the NFC West. So I'm going Rams. I'm going to say really close, though. I don't think they'll cover either. Yeah, I think this would be a pretty good game. With, uh, um, with the 49ers winning the last two meetings and then coupling with the fact that they're coming in banged up, I think this is, this will be the weakest the 49ers have looked this year, and thus I'm giving the Rams the victory 27-23. Yeah, I, I think Stafford and this Rams team is due. They got the most talented roster in the NFL especially on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think it'll be quite as uh, 
close as you guys have it. I've got 34-23 Rams. I think that defense is going to cause some fits for the Niners' offense, and I think Stafford and the boys are going to put up some points. I like the Rams to win and cover. Yeah, if the Rams can put together a whole game like that first half against the Buccaneers um, and like the game they put against the Cardinals, I think any team will be hard-pressed to beat them. But, all right, we've got Rams-Chiefs meeting. It'll be a home a home Super Bowl for the Rams if we're right here. So uh, back-to-back years. After 50-some-odd years of a, of a team never hosting a Super Bowl, the Bucks do it last year, and then we've both got it happening again this year. So we'll see what happens. But... We'll be back next week to see if we're right or wrong. Till then.